This is the last Sunday for our series entitled Bold. We um, have looked at four areas of life where we could and where we actually should be bolder. We've talked about bold prayer. We've talked about bold obedience. And last week we talked about bold faith. If we choose to live a bold lives, I believe our lives will be more complete and more satisfying, more full, because we are allowing God to do things in our lives that we, we normally would miss out on if we stayed in our comfort zones. The really cool thing is when we live a bold life, we see God doing great things. We begin to be used by God. And that builds our testimony, our witness. When God's people begin to live bold lives, things around them begin to change. Family lives begin to change. Churches begin to change. Communities begin to change. All because God's people began to live a bold life. And the reason isn't because God's people are capable of doing all, the, all these things on their own. No, it's God working through them, just putting themselves out there to be used by God. When God's people begin living bold lives, we are not claiming to have all the answers and have all the know-how, the competencies, or even have all the strength to accomplish these things. We are simply relying on God to provide all these things. When we try to be bold on our own power, we end up just looking like arrogant jerks. That's not what we're shooting for. Our boldness simply allows God to work in our lives and through our lives. Let God do the big things. Living a bold life is simply just putting your faith and trust completely in Him. That's what we talk about all the time. When we choose to live a bold life, people begin to notice Something's different about that person. You didn't react the way I normally see people react. You didn't say the things that I normally hear people say. You, you spend your money differently than, than how I see other people spending their money. What is different? See, when we choose to live a bold life, God starts showing up. People begin to take notice. And they ask questions. Another thing that happens is we begin to want to share those things. We begin to want to tell people what God is doing in our lives. And that's where I want to focus our time today. We're going to talk about a bold witness. Now when you hear that word, I'm sure all kinds of Fears and concerns come to mind. The term witness, that can be a scary word. You might be thinking, I can't be a bold witness. I don't, I don't have all the answers. I can't answer the questions that people will be asking me. I, I can't be a bold witness. I don't want to offend anybody. I can't be a bold witness. I don't want to be labeled as something that I'm not. I don't want people to think I'm holier than anyone else. And all these things come to mind and these fears begin 
to take root in our lives. Fears that keep us from being a witness for Christ and His resurrection. Now Thanksgiving is this week. And families and friends are going to be gathered around the table eating great food and discussions are going to be happening. And in some families, those discussions go sideways. I can tell by your reaction, you know this is true. What are the two things we're not supposed to talk about with others? Politics and religion, right? <laughs> Some of you are squirming already, worried about Thanksgiving Day and the conversations you're going to be in. It makes us uncomfortable to even think about being in these types of conversations with our families and friends. And we definitely don't want to be the one that causes it to go sideways. We don't want to be the one where people are uncomfortable with us. To be a bold witness doesn't mean you have to make anyone uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that people see you coming and they start going the other way. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not asking you to initiate any awkward conversations on Thursday or any other day. I don't want you to confront anyone and get in their face. That's not a bold witness I'm talking about. I, I definitely don't want you to go buy a bullhorn and make a sign and go stand on OBT in 192. That's a bold move. But that's not the bold witness I'm talking about. Sometimes we hear the word bold and we think that it's some um, big thing, a grand gesture, a huge moment, a major shift. And it can be, but it doesn't always have to be. It can be subtle. And so I'm going to talk about two things, two subtle things you can do to help you be a bold witness. That's the challenge today. Now these shifts are possible. They won't kill you, I promise. They might be a little uncomfortable. They might require a sacrifice. But you can do them. And they will help you be a bold witness. Now the crazy thing is, what I'm talking about today actually shouldn't be classified as a bold move. It actually is how we as Christians should be conducting ourselves Anyway, I, I've said this throughout this whole series. This is how we should be living. We should be saying bold prayers. We should have bold obedience. We should have bold faith. This is what the Christian life looks like. We should be doing these things. But for some reason, being bold has taken a back seat. And so it becomes something that we have to talk about and initiate and inspire people to do. The more we sit back and we, we stay in our little comfort zones, the more we allow um, things to happen, the easier it becomes to succumb to our fears and not be bold. God didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power. So let's look at how we can become a bold witness for the Lord. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason 
for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now that verse is an awesome verse. It's, it's one that we should memorize. We should always be prepared to talk about why we have hope. We don't have to answer the tough theological questions. We just have to share why we have hope. That last sentence is so important to do this with gentleness and respect. You see, being a bold witness isn't confrontational. We actually should be gentle and respectful as we do this. So here are two things to help you have a bold witness. The first one is this. Live differently. Live your life in such a way where people notice there's something different. Live in such a way where they they notice and they ask you why. Why do you do these things? Not in an interrogating way, but, but out of curiosity. It's refreshing when people see someone living their life differently. And not only is it refreshing, it's attractive. People want to know more. They may even want to experience it. Living the same way as the world is not refreshing. People know this all too well. They live it every day. It's not attractive. They know what that feels like. It's unfulfilling. But when they see something different in you, they want to know more. And we're actually called to live this way. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There are a lot of Christians who are missing the mark on this today. They put their faith and trust in God and they turn to Him, but nothing changes. They don't allow God to transform them. Their life may have changed in a spiritual sense, but nothing else changed. The way they think about money hasn't changed. The way they pursue success hasn't changed. The way they set life goals hasn't changed. The way they consume stuff hasn't changed. The way they watch and and participate and view entertainment hasn't changed. Nothing about their life has transformed. And so their life doesn't look any different than anyone else. So we end up with this culture that we live in today where it's difficult to tell the difference between Christians and non-Christians. Your life is a witness to those around you. People are watching. If you claim to be a Christian and your life doesn't match up, they notice that. And this turns people off. A lot of people don't want to have anything to do with Christ or the church because of this. And then there are some who think, well, Becoming a Christian doesn't look that bad because I don't have to change. I get eternal security. I can go to heaven at the end of life, but I don't have to do anything now. I don't have to change anything about me. I can continue to live my life any way I see fit. You see, your life is a witness. People are watching. Please don't be a poor witness with your life. This does not help the kingdom. Choose to be bold. By living differently. 
by letting God transform you. That's the first thing that will help you have a bold witness. The second thing is this. Tell your story. Tell your story. When we live differently, people will begin to notice and they will begin to ask. And this is your opportunity to tell them about Jesus. All the things He's done for you. Remember 1 Peter 13 or 3.15 says, be prepared to tell people the reason for the hope that you have. A fear of being a bold witness may simply come because we're unprepared. Being prepared helps you be ready. Being prepared calms nerves. Being prepared gives you confidence. It over, helps you overcome those fears. So let me ask you a question. When is the last time you sat back and thought about how you would respond to someone who asks for the reason for the hope that you have? When's the last time you sat back and you thought about how you would respond to someone who wants to know why you live differently? Who wants to know why you have hope? My guess is it's been a while. Are we prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have? Be prepared. Another fear that comes in is that that you don't have all the answers. Especially to those tough theological questions. We may not want to speak up because we know someone's going to ask us a question that we can't answer. You don't have to have all the answers. If someone asks you a tough theological question, it's okay to say, I don't know about that. But I do know Jesus has done this in my life. Answering a tough theological question may be helpful, but in most cases, it's not life-changing. The Gospel is life-changing. Sharing your story about Jesus and the hope that you have in Him is way more convincing than answering any tough theological question. Colossians 4, 5-6 says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Make the most of every opportunity. I love that. Don't let them pass by. Now these two things that we're talking about today go together. Living differently and telling your story. They go together. When you begin to live differently, you will have more opportunities to tell your story. And you might be thinking, I don't have a story to tell. Yes, you do. And it's a powerful one. Some of you in this room, you've been a Christian for a while, but you can remember what your life was like before you became a Christian. You maybe became a Christian later on in life, and so you you remember what your life was like before Christ. That's your story. This is the reason for the hope that you have, that Christ loved you and accepted you as you are, and He saved you. And you are a new person. That's the Gospel story. That's your story. I became a Christian as a young child. I grew up in the church. My dad was the preacher. I was baptized at nine years old. And I remember going to church camps and to conferences and I would hear these speakers speaking and telling their story. And man, it was a crazy testimony. They had lived this wild life and then 
they found Jesus and they're a whole new person. And I began to be jealous <laughs> of that type of story. I, I didn't have that. I didn't think I had much of a story to tell. And then two things happened. One, I met a person who had a wild story like this, lived a crazy life and found Jesus. And he made the most of every opportunity. He was a bold witness. And I remember having a conversation with him and I was telling him, you know, I, I don't really have much of a story. I don't have much to share. And he stopped me in my tracks. I said, that's not true. You have a story. You have nothing to be ashamed of. And then he said something that really resonated with me and really was life-changing. He said, Mike, I would rather have your story than have mine. It would have saved me a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. I would rather have your story. And then all of a sudden I was thankful for the story that I had. I, I still struggled though because I didn't see the power in it. Still didn't think I had much to share. This is when the second thing happened. I was about 30 years old. It wasn't too long ago, 13 years ago. <clears throat> I was sitting in a college class with a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds, and the professor asked a question. He said, what would your life be like if you didn't have Jesus? And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Now those 18 and 19 year olds, they didn't have much to say. It didn't hit them like it hit me. But man, it really hit me that day. Because I began to think what my life would be like if I didn't have Jesus. And I began to look at my life and I could pinpoint things in my life where Jesus made a difference. If I didn't have Jesus in my life, I would be a mess. I would be indulging in all kinds of sinful behavior. I know it. If I didn't have Jesus in my life, I might actually be an addict. I kind of have an addictive personality. If I didn't have Jesus in my life, I know I would objectify women. I know I would. If I didn't have Jesus in my life, I know I would be way more selfish than what I already am. You see, Jesus makes all the difference. I wouldn't be the husband I am today or the father I am today. I wouldn't be concerned about helping others. All I would be concerned about is myself. Feeding my fleshly desires, but because of Jesus, I am not these things. That's my story. And that's powerful. You don't have to have this wild and crazy testimony to have a, a, a powerful story. You just have to be able to see how Jesus makes a difference. And once you know your story, once you're prepared, and begin sharing it. You will have the opportunity to. And don't let them pass by. Make the most of every opportunity. These two things, living differently and telling your story, will, will help you have a bold witness. You don't have to be confrontational. You don't have to stand on a street corner and make everyone at the Thanksgiving table uncomfortable. Live a life that looks different. And tell your story. It's that simple. God's not asking you to have all the answers. 
He's not asking you to preach everywhere you go. He's, he's asking you to live a life that is different. He's asking you to have gentle, respectful conversations about what Jesus has done in your life. That's all he wants from you. And if you do these things, you will have a bold witness. I promise. If we start to do this, think of the impact that would have in your life. Think of the impact that would have in this church and in this community in Poinciana. Think about that. I get excited when I think about what God would do if we started living this way. Think about all the lives that would be touched. It's exciting. Living a bold life is exhilarating. It's full. It's complete. You allow God to do things in your life you never could imagine. God wants to do great things in you and through you. He wants to. You might not get to experience it, though, if you don't make a bold move. God wants to do great things in you and through you. Are you willing to let Him? Are you willing to do something bold and put yourself out there to where He can use you? Say a bold prayer. Show Him how committed you are by bold obedience. Take a stand with bold faith. These things position you to be used by God in mighty ways. He sees that you are ready to be used by Him. I, I played basketball growing up. I played through middle school and through high school. I actually didn't play one year because I got frustrated and didn't think I was getting to play as much as I, I thought I should, and so I, I didn't play. But um, I played um, all all the other years. I wasn't the best player on the team by any means, but I worked hard, and I eventually got to a point to where I could contribute to the team. But when I was a freshman, I was on the JV team, and I sat the bench. Most freshmen did, and I this is where the frustration kind of came, and I, I felt like I, I deserved more playing time. I felt like I worked harder than some of the other guys that were getting playing time. I felt like I was better than some of the guys that was getting more playing time, and I got frustrated. And I remember going to the best player on the team. He was the best player. He was really good. He um, maybe one of the best players I've ever got to play basketball with. Um, he was actually the coach's son. And I remember telling him, man, I feel like I'm doing everything I possibly can, but I'm just not getting the playing time. And, and he encouraged me. He, he, he told me to do some things. He's like, you need to be ready to go in at any time. He said, don't mess around with the other players on the bench. Don't get distracted by the people in the stand. Be focused and be ready. And he said, I want you to do one thing. He said, throughout the game, always be looking down at the end of the bench toward the coach. And when he turns his head to find someone to go in, you make eye contact with him. I'm a 15-year-old boy. I'm intimidated by adults, and especially a coach. Uh, and so I didn't know if I could do that. It's a Friday night home game, and sitting there, and I was determined, I'm going to try to do this. And so I stay focused. I'm not messing. The other guys on the bench are messing around, telling jokes, and having a good time. I, I avoid that. I'm focused. I don't get distracted by the stands. I keep watching the coach. Then it happened. He turned his head to look for a player, and we locked eyes. It seemed like an eternity. 
I know it was probably only two seconds. And I wanted to look away so bad, but I locked in. And he finally said, Mike, let's go. I'm like, what? Is this really happening? There's more than a minute left on the clock. And I'm going in. I made a bold move and it paid off. I was ready to be used. And the coach knew it. God is ready to do great things in you and through you. Are you ready? Are you focused? Are you making a bold move to show Him you're ready? Are you ready to be blown away what God has for you? He wants to do great things in you and through you. Make a bold move. Say a bold prayer. Boldly obey. Have bold faith. Be a bold witness. God is ready to use you. Don't be distracted by the things of this world. Make a bold move and just see what God can do. Don't settle for being comfortable in your comfort zone. Don't settle for a life of fear and timidity. He's given you a spirit of power. So be bold. Let's stand.